This is Simply Meditation, an offering of Center for Self-Care, and your mindful coach, that's me, Mark Balser. Each week at 7.15 p.m. on Wednesday, we have an in-person guided meditation and short teaching at Balance for Life Yoga in Devon, Pennsylvania. Feel free to join us there or listen each week to our intro and guided practice or standalone guided practice. If you'd like to learn more, visit me at www.center4selfcare.com or email me at mark at centerforselfcare.com. Thank you and enjoy. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to be a meditation teacher right now. The reason is because you can get your phone and go on Insight Timer or Calm or Headspace or any of these apps or on YouTube, and they've got these amazing resources related to meditation. My first exposure to meditation was this program, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, that was kind of invented in the United States by a doctor named John Kabat-Zinn, and it's the real deal. Actually, most of the time when you see hard, uh, validated research on meditation, it's coming from mindfulness-based stress reduction because they've got a, you know, a curriculum, a system that's very rigid. And so the only way that you can really study and get good evidence-based research is by doing the same thing over and over again. And I'd much rather, as a teacher, just do the things that are interesting and fun to me. So he has an eight-week course. First week is sitting meditation. Then we've got body scan. Then we bring in some movement. Then we bring in walking meditation. We kind of go through the whole cycle. It was great for me because it really taught the fundamentals. This was eight or nine years ago, so the app industry wasn't that big quite yet. And so part of what I want to do in this month of January is come back to those fundamentals because it's good news that we've got those apps because if I'm feeling really frustrated today or if I just went through a breakup, or if I am struggling because I'm thinking about retiring or changing jobs or something like that, I can go on my app and write exactly what's happening to me and it will give you a customized curated meditation just for you. But that's kind of like first aid. That's like going to the doctor when you have an injury and these fundamentals are more like preventative care. Uh, what I was sharing with you before some of you got here was that most of the people I know that have built consistent long-term recurring meditation practices, do silent sitting meditation, do body scans, do uh, movement-based practices and walking meditation, and they don't do a lot of guided meditations. I do some guided meditations when I'm not really feeling it. You know, I don't feel like sitting today. Uh, so I'll do a guided walking meditation or something. So I use it to help me get back on track, but I found that self-directed meditation is one of the best ways to build something a little bit more consistent. And of course you pair that with having a group, a sangha that you, that you practice with and also finding ways for extended practice. So that might be doing day long programs or even overnight retreats. So we'll go through that a little bit today and we're gonna start with breathing. We're gonna start with our autonomic nervous system. Uh, this is all about fight or flight. If you've heard me talk about that before. And we've got some great news here. 
uh, we're practicing mindfulness meditation. We don't need any special technique. We need our bodies and we need our breath. So you might even take your hand right now and put it on your belly. And if we sit quietly for a minute here, you'll notice the movement, not just of your belly, but the whole body. You might feel a rise and fall even in your shoulders, expansion and contraction of your chest. You might even feel some uh, muscles of your buttocks and legs engage as you inhale and exhale. And so it turns out the breath is an amazing tool to regulate our body. When we get stressed out or nervous and find ourselves in that fight or flight response, our biological system turns on the heartbeat, making the blood flow faster through our body. It begins to sweat, cooling us down. And our breath accelerates. Even our belly, our digestive system, and our immune system gets turned off. Because if we're running from a tiger or a bear, we don't really need to digest. It's no big deal if we get a cold while we're running for this tiger, as long as we're alive. But of course, we still have this fight or flight system in a time where the physical threats to our lives are pretty limited. Animals that we're concerned about might be in the zoo and far off places, but we still have this biological fight or flight response. And the great news about the breath is that it's the one thing that we can control when it comes to our stress response. We can't intentionally slow our heartbeat or intentionally stop sweating, but we can intentionally manage the movement of our breath throughout the body. So you might even do that now, letting your eyes close if they're not already closed and drawing the breath deep into the lungs, holding that breath and then releasing. You can even feel that breath, the belly as you breathe in and out, in and out. If you like, you might count each breath, inhaling to the count of four, exhaling to the count of four. So we breathe in, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four. And taking the next minute or so to smooth out the breath, matching the length of the in-breath with the length of the out-breath.
Breathing in, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four. And having practiced for just a minute or two, you might notice anything that has shifted or changed. Sensing the quality of your mind in this moment. Noticing any sensations in the body that you might not have noticed before. And then releasing any control of the breath just resting in presence. And opening your eyes as you're ready. That's the super shortest practice you could almost possibly do unless your meditation was just one breath. <laughs> but opening my eyes now, I see a softening. I see the change in energy in, in each of us. There's a little bit of a misperception and misconception when it comes to meditation that you need a dark room and to be all by yourself and so on. But like something like putting your hand on your belly in a stressful meeting or when you're stuck in traffic, that life is a meditation. So how can we move the practice that we're doing now and apply that to our own life? Uh, John Kabat-Zinn likes to talk about going from being human doings to human beings. If you think about it, this practice of meditation is just about the only time that we're not doing something. It's the most radical of non-doing. The sitting practice we'll do in a little bit. Uh, we're not going to try to control our breath at all. We're just going to breathe naturally and observe it and feel it. And so it's pretty radical because as long as we're awake, we're almost always doing something. And if we're not doing something, we're in the grocery store at the Wawa and we're standing in line and we're like, Oh, yeah. perfect time to check my email. <laughs> it's more about what we're not doing than what we are doing. One of the cool parts of that is that then, you know, the, the bar isn't all that high. As long as we're not doing our habitual things that we do to keep ourselves occupied and distracted, we're doing it right. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I can't stop thinking. The point isn't to stop thinking. The point is to stop reacting kind of habitually, instinctually to what we're thinking. It'd be better to create a little bit of space in our experience so that we can bring on kind of our thinking brain, our ration, our morality, our reason, our intuition, uh, so that we're making thoughtful responses as, as opposed to those habitual reactions. This is Viktor Frankl. You know Viktor Frankl? He was a psychologist who studied um, people that were going through like terrible trauma, and then he ended up in a concentration camp. And so that was his work, and then he ended up in that environment. Now he didn't say this, but it's been attributed to him, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our, our, our freedom to choose. And in that choice, in that response, lies our growth and our freedom. So if we can use this practice to create a little bit of space in our experience so that we're not 
reacting like, oh, I shouldn't have had that thought. Oh, I can't do this meditation practice well. Oh, there's so many things that I need to do later, so I'm going to stop meditating right now and go on, you know, do my list of to-dos. If we can create that space, we can really have a radical transformation. The application to life, I saw it a couple of times today. I was at the I was at the 7-Eleven, and there was a guy at the lottery machine, the scratch-off lottery machine, and I felt I felt so bad for him. So he got his scratch-off lottery ticket. He starts scratching it. And then he scans it, which I think gives you like the credit from what you won. And he got another ticket. And he scratches off the lottery ticket. And he scans it. And you know, each time I'm imagining that he's going from the $30 ticket to the $20 ticket to the $10 ticket. And there's just no space. <laughs> you, know, you lost, you won. He wasn't putting any space in his experience. So of course he ended up walking away without a ticket, which to me means that he lost, you know, whatever money he had put in. And then on my drive home from work today, I saw uh, a father walking down the street with his two kids and like, had picked him up from the bus. And it was the kind of vision that you're like, I want to see what's going on here. That looks like an adorable family. And uh, I saw the one girl poke the other girl. And the dad turned around and he pointed right at her with so much anger. And you could see like the girl's smile on her face just drop out. And you know, that like, can we create that kind of space in our experience? We can't just do it by having willpower or having an intention because it has to happen so quickly. The way we can create that thoughtful response instead of habitual reaction is by doing things like this, this practice. We breathe and we get distracted. We're paying attention to the feeling of the breath and we get distracted. And our whole point is not to not get distracted, but to catch ourselves when we're in that moment where we're lost and come back again. You probably heard about this concept of neuroplasticity. That's how we train our brain to be less reactive. Uh, and it has some pretty neat applications in life too. And you're not trying to, you're not trying to eliminate the impulsivity. Impulsivity is really important. Urges and impulses, they're, they're human responses based off our biology. It's what we do when we have that impulse to grab a cookie or, you know, pass the person driving or too slow in traffic kid. or poke your yeah. kid. Yeah. So we're not trying to like eliminate something from our experience. We're trying to slow it down a little bit, put that space in. Let's meditate. We're going to do a meditation uh, that is very simple and breath focused. The idea is just to observe our breath and feel our breath. We'll use an anchor. I'll probably guide us to use the belly as the anchor because we were already there a few minutes ago. But it might be that you feel your breath more prominently in the area of your chest, or maybe you feel the air entering and enter, exiting your nostrils. And the instruction is super, super, super simple, but it's not easy. Stay with your breath. So feel the movement of the in-breath, feel the movement of the out-breath. And when you get distracted, when you notice the sound of the heater turning on, or when you, you know, have a worry about what you need to do tomorrow, or a memory of how wonderful the holiday season was for you. That's all okay. You know, don't beat yourself up for it. Just notice that you're distracted and bring your attention back to that sensation of breathing in the body.
I'll guide you, but I'll probably get quiet as we can as we move along, um, so that it can really be our own practice. Does that sound okay? The posture in mindfulness meditation, I'd say it's a little bit less important than some of the concentration-focused practices, but certainly having a, an upright posture where your back is is long allows the breath to flow pretty smoothly and easily. You can sit cross-legged if you like, if you're seated just regular in the chair. If your feet do touch the floor, that's an, a wonderful way to kind of get a grounding. Um, but you've also got the seat in the uh, back of the chair. So as you're ready, you might let the eyes close. Taking a moment to find the breath in your body. Slowly drawing your attention to the movement at the belly or abdomen. Sensing the beginning of each breath. The expansion of the muscles. Pause at the top of each breath, followed by the contraction and dropping of your belly. And this practice is a practice of non-doing. You can let yourself breathe naturally. The breath flows without any real effort on your part. which opens the invitation for you to simply observe. Seeing if you can follow the rhythm of one full breath. And one more full breath. And one more full breath. Notice if your attention is very focused and tight on the breath, or perhaps loose and relaxed. See if you might find a balance between the two. Feeling, feeling, feeling the breath. And from time to time, you'll see the mind has wandered. You might get caught up in a thought, taken by a powerful emotion. Just notice that. 
and guide your attention slowly back to this sensation of breathing. As many times as the mind goes somewhere else, you can bring it back and begin again. might even see the breath with your mind's eye. Watching the breath rise and fall. No need to change it or make it a certain way. Just allowing for your experience to be as it is in this moment. Allowing your focus to become sharper. Feeling the nuance of each breath. Resting in this opportunity to 
be a human being and not a human doing. allowing for space between the stimulus of your experience. Thoughts come and go, sensations in the body come and go. We just return again and again to this sensation of the breath in the body. Body breathes in, body breathes out. And we observe with a loving heart. Gently following the movement of breath in the body. Becoming intimate, familiar with this rhythm. Notice the impulse for a thought to become an idea, to become a story. And seeing how you might catch yourself and come back once again to the breath.
perhaps noticing subtle changes as the breath lengthens and smooths, the body settles. knowing that you're right where you need to be in this moment. Safe, still. Being with the breath. Perhaps seeing if you can stay with the breath for the next full minute. And now softening your awareness of the breath, perhaps letting it fade into the background as you reflect on anything that might have shifted or changed for you. What might have surprised you or been interesting as you've practiced? And now bringing a bit in, of intention to the breath, drawing the breath in more deeply as you inhale and exhale, continuing with several rounds of deep cleansing breaths. And then listening for the sound of the bell to open your eyes.